Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. This is your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I'm here in Studio A with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Shalom, shalom, everyone. Welcome. Man, and let me tell you, the Torah is relevant for today, and that's what we're doing. We are studying the Torah, and we're pulling out the nuggets, seeing if we can find some gold. This week, we are studying Be'eshalak, which means when he sent. Uh, you can find this in the book of Exodus, chapter 13, verse 17, through chapter 17, and verse 16. Excellent. Be'eshalak, when he sent. So once again, we're having a transition here of the children of Israel are leaving Egypt, and we're going to see that Pharaoh is not willing to let them go. You know, he's pursuing them. Let so them go. We will that. not let you go. That's right. Oh, yeah, you will let them go. Uh, so I'm going to have Ryan read Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 through 22. Right out of the gate, here is the beginning of Beishalak when he sent. All right, 17 through 22. That is correct. All right. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war, and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up, harnessed out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones away hence with you. And they took their journey from Sukkot and encamped in Etham in the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud and led them the way and by night in the pillar of fire to give them light, to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of the fire by night from before the people. Wow, that's incredible. You know, it's interesting because, you know, here's a question in Exodus 13, 17 that we can all look at. You know, what was the reason God led the children of Israel through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea instead of through the land of the Philistines? Well, he wanted to avoid war. Yeah. You know, uh, it's interesting, you know, don't despise small beginnings is something I was thinking about uh, earlier. But, you know, uh, over time, you know, we can grow and we can learn. Just like I've always shared, you know, I've been in the Hebrews of the Christian faith for, for 23 years, you know, um, been celebrating the feast days and been in the Torah for almost 20 years. And so I've learned a lot, but a lot more to learn. But like I said, you know, uh, Beit Hedel is not a novice. We're not the new kid on the block. We've been around. We know what's going on. We see things. And so we always want to make the best decisions. Uh, but we know that uh, he wanted to avoid war. Uh, they had a slave mentality, you know, coming out of Egypt. Uh, you know, they were conditioned for a certain thing. And now all of a sudden you throw the enemy on top of them. Uh, he was a good good uh, father, I think, uh, in this example. He really cared about his children. He knew they wouldn't be able to to handle it. You know, I love how he didn't intervene in that part of it. He wanted to avoid war, so that's that's why he took them the long way. You know, uh, the cool thing is, you know, that there was a uh, pledge or a promise made uh, from Joseph's brothers that they would not leave his bones in Egypt. That at some point in time they were going to take his bones 
and bury them in Israel. And so we can see Joseph's bones being taken out of Egypt by Moses or Moshe. And uh, that's in Exodus 13, 19. Uh, and of course, even today in, in Shechem or Nablus, the, the modern day uh, Arab city, uh, Nablus, uh, Joseph's tomb is there, right there in the heart of the uh, of the Arab community. And uh, it's Shechem and even Jacob's well is, is there as well. So we have, once again, uh, Joseph's bones uh, coming out of Egypt. So, you know, in our uh, small group study that we do on Monday nights, uh, we have a little discussion, a, a question to ask each and every person. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would you live, Ryan? Uh, I got some interesting answers on this. But you, where would you live? You know, it's tough to say, other than Israel, because I, I obviously... Other than Israel. Can, and if I were to go to Israel, uh, I would say the Galilee. I see these videos of right. uh, Joshua so, Aaron so the country and of house. Israel. If and, you could live anywhere. Like, okay, you get an opportunity to pick anywhere you can live. And it'll all work out. It's God's will. Where would you want to live? Other than Brandon, Florida. Israel. I would say the, I would agree. I would say I, the Galilee. I, I, I would say Israel too. Absolutely. The Galilee is a beautiful, yeah. beautiful area. Uh, so not everybody wants to live in Israel. It's a good question. I don't think you can force people. Well, I definitely want to go there when God wants me there. I will say that. You know, it, it, it's kind of interesting. Um, John Bevere made a statement in one of his teachings, and I believe it's found in Romans, that God puts the members where he wants. Yes. So basically, God tells you where to go to church. Hmm. You know, uh, he tells you where to go. He tells you who to go with. You know, so when people say, oh, well, I don't go to church or, you know, I'm not really into community. I'm like, well, then you're definitely not hearing from God mm. because he would want to guide you into a group of people. That's right. I mean, the community. not all the time. There's there's situations, circumstances, don't get me wrong. This isn't a cookie cutter, but but he would want you to bring you to an environment, you know, and, and it says right here in Exodus chapter 13, verses 21 and 22, this says, the Lord guided his people by day in a pillar of a cloud and by night in a pillar of fire. So, you know, I can say this though, Ryan, uh, as far as bait to heal in the plumber family, I believe the Lord is guiding us mm. in the same regard. When the cloud moves, we move. Pillar of fire moves, we move. Mm. And that's why it's called an opportunity. So when people think, well, I'm just going to camp out here. I'm just going to stay here, you know. You know, it was interesting, uh, even in camping, you know, we had, you know, maybe an opportunity to go to a bigger lot or this, we were just waiting. We really wanted to go to this other place, this other lot that was bigger, but the guy just camped out. He's a squatter. So it's yeah. like, we're like, well, we're just going to stay here, you know? And, and it was interesting because, um, we did not get that opportunity. So no, we just, no, he never left. We, no, he, yeah. he, yeah. And so I, I'm only sharing that with all of you. Because this is a word for somebody listening to the podcast. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to say this. Some of you need to relocate. Uh, some of you might uh, be living in a, in a current situation or circumstance, and God's saying, I'm going to move you. Now, I've talked to some people that have actually moved closer to Bay Tehillah. Uh, some people are talking about they feel like they're going to need to move. Uh, so this is a word for some of you. Uh, God cares where you live. And just trust Him, you know. Uh, if people want to draw closer to Beit Tehillah and live closer to the church, man, I'll shake your hand. I'll give you a hug. I think that's awesome. You know, um, once they fix my house, I'll be closer to the church and everything like that. But uh, we, uh, you know, geographically speaking, live close to the church for a lot of reasons. Uh, and that's what we've accepted, you know. Um, the home that we live in was where Beit Tehillah was actually founded and started. So think about it, everyone. Uh, 
he's going to guide you. He's going to guide you. He's going to tell you where he cares where, where, where you know, where you're going to live, where you're going to go. He cares about your job, your, your friends, your associations, you know. And so we could see all of that uh, being played out. What do, you, what do you think, Ryan, in that regard? Uh, I know you had to, you were renting and then you bought a home. Yep. And had yep. property. Yep. No, I definitely uh, believe God leads those things. And I think the question uh, to us is, are we waiting uh, for God to move? Or do we leave from out from under the cloud and under the pillar of fire uh, and do our own thing? That's, you know, that's an important... You know... It is, you know, the lesson is to be learned. You know, I, it's funny. I, I know in hindsight, I'm going to look back, Ryan, and say, okay, mm. now I know why. But if not, so be it. So if we go to chapter 14, um, we're going to see Pharaoh's going to pursue the children of Israel after they left Egypt with 600 chariots and a hardened heart. You know, uh, the children of Israel were sore afraid and they cried out to the Lord in Exodus chapter 14. Verses 4 through 10. You know, it's kind of interesting, you know, uh, even in Exodus 14, 13, maybe you could read that verse. Uh, let's, let's check this out now, because now Pharaoh's going to go after him. He's not willing to let go, you know. Well, and, and how many times we make a decision and then we're like, mm, and then we, you know, renege on our decision or whatever. You know, it's, like, it's man, good. maybe I should have done that, you know. Well, it's so, all FOMO, fear let, of missing yeah, out. It's, right. It's FOMO. So so Pharaoh has now got a serious case of FOMO. Let, let's read it. Here it says. Fear it's, of missing out. That's the acronym, FOMO. FOMO. All right. And Moses said unto the people, fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. Wow. Now, this is interesting. Because, you know, when we... Uh, and I, I'm, I'm going to probably read in, in James chapter 4. I'm going to find James here. I definitely want to read this because, you know, Egypt is a picture of the world. Is that cousin James or brother James? It's the half-brother of Jesus, mm-hmm. if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Um, and basically, I'm going to read James chapter 4 and start in verse 4. Uh, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Mm. So he brings you out to bring you in. See, the world is not your friend, folks. Egypt represents the world. It's a picture of of the world. Now it goes on to say, and I want to read this because we have to keep it in context. Do you think that the the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. So once again, Pharaoh's full of pride. The world is is a prideful place. It says here in verse 7, I love this. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist Pharaoh, and he will drown. We're going to talk about that. (laughs) Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. You know, we're not to judge the world, but we should be aware of what the world's doing. The worldly system, you know, once again, the Egypt Egypt represents the world. You always go down to Egypt, but up to Jerusalem. There's crazy stuff happening in the world right now. On social media, with technology, just because the world's offering it, Ryan, 
doesn't mean you have to bite, take the bait. You don't have to bite into that. You well, know? and how many times do we make excuses and justify, you know, partaking in those things or whatever? Well, we just have know? to have oh, a it's conscience. Not that bad. Or, oh, because you know, stick in the mud. Or... Here's the thing. This, and, and I'm really encouraged with this particular outline that we have and the bullet points because you know it's it's really needed for today for all of us that are practicing and walking in the Hebrews of the Christian faith. That we are the children of Israel. There's a greater Exodus happening. It's got to start in your mind and then your life. So the Lord was going to fight for the Israelites, and I love this, you know. The Lord was going to divide the sea so the Israelites could cross. See, Ryan, we can't make the Hebrews of the Christian faith movement happen. God opens up the sea. Yeah. God tells us what he's going to do. You know, and he even tells us in advance. You know, he says he's going to restore and regather the whole house of Israel. We have to do our part. So the angel of God came between the camp of the Egyptians with darkness and the camp of Israel, the light, all night. So what, what, what's happening, Ryan, is this. We follow this pillar of fire. We, we follow this cloud. And, and it leads us to a dead end. It leads us to a place. Now, what's going to happen is, this, this is right here. The angel of God is going to leap over, come around, and get the backside of Israel. That, yeah, your back's against the wall, but I'm in front of you. See, that's how I feel, man. My back's against the wall. Lord, you're going to have to do something, you know. And this is happening all night. So between the children of Israel and Egypt, there was darkness, but the light was shining on Israel. Oh, yeah. Now, what's the light, Ryan? But the revelation of what God is doing. Mm -hmm. See, some people are still left in the dark Ugh. because they got one foot in Egypt, one foot in the camp. Actually, there's a reference that he burned the outskirts of the camp. Yeah. So, so the thing is, you don't want to be... Double-minded. I you know? saw that in Prince of Egypt. And James, I mean, he, he lays it out, Ryan, because there's no going back. Like Lot's wife, she looked back, became a pillar Not of salt. Prince of Egypt. What is it, Prince of Egypt? Yeah, it's Prince of Egypt. So, so the thing is, you know, here we go. And once again, God's going to use a man. Moses stretched forth his rod over the sea, and the Israelites crossed over on dry ground with a wall of water on both sides. Listen, there was no quicksand, no marsh. It was dry ground. Now, that's the miracle. And so there's a wall of water on each, either side. And here's where the Lord has a sense of humor. It says right here in Exodus 14, 25, the Lord took off the chariot wheels of the Egyptians as they pursued the Israelites. You know? I mean, why would they pursue? I mean, if I saw that, I'd be like, you know what? I should probably, so, they're, they're, the God is, their God is with them. I'm, I'm out. So, so how many <laughs> times, Ryan, does God go before us and loosen up the enemy's wheels when he's in hot pursuit of us? Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times has he protected us, watched over us? So he's got to take off the cherry wheels of the Egyptians. What a mess. You're not going anywhere. It's kind of interesting. 600 chariots, that's a lot of chariots. You know, and, and number six is for man, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. And, and so what's going to happen now? Dry ground, go across. Remember what Paul was saying. There's a, there's a door of hope open to me, but there's an adversary at the door, right? That's right. So Moses stretched forth his rod a second time, over the sea, and the water collapsed upon the Egyptians, and they all drowned. All of them. Every single enemy drowned. That is amazing. I mean, that's just, that's just incredible. Do you, do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, think about it. You know, the enemy doesn't like it when you realize the world's not your friend, you know, and you want to go into the kingdom of God. 
He's not willing to let you go easily. Yeah, well, I think part of this is also, um, take this as a picture, and if you have one foot in the camp of of Israel and one foot in Egypt, uh, you ended up still in the water when the waters came back together. And so we have to choose, you know, which way we're going to go. And the, the answer, obviously... Um, which I guess maybe for a lot of people easier said than done is to choose the Lord, choose God, choose choose Israel, uh, because you're going to be safe. You're going to watch the enemies of God, which should be at that point your enemies, you know, get get decimated while you are saved alive, while you're safe. And you know, a lot of these things that we're watching nowadays in our culture want us to feel bad for the enemies of God to feel bad for Satan. Pastor Nick and I were just talking about this before. Oh, let's feel sorry for the fallen angels. Right. Let's feel feel bad for Satan. Uh, you know, I mean, come on, let, let's be real here. Uh, when people have made a decision and taken the side that they're on, that decision was their free will. They exercise their own free will, and the consequences thereof are theirs to partake in. And the, the question is, is how are we going to exercise our free will? And, and the what we should be doing is following God. And and I'm telling you, Ryan, you can be passionate about the Shabbat. You can really get excited about it. Oh, I love See, it. You know, matter of fact, I, I discovered even in Jerusalem, um, they're saying Shabbat Shalom Friday morning. It's not even Shabbat yet. Because they're like, they're geared for this. Yeah. Hey, Shabbat Shalom in the marketplace. Shabbat Shalom, because it's coming. And people are preparing. You know, it's just like with the Torah portions in our, in our small groups, you know. You can get jacked up over it. You can get excited about it. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it, it's like a messianic theme park. Like, man, we're going to do the Torah tonight. And then God begins to move. You know why? Because he's giving you his word. You know, um, and so we're going to see the great, um, we're going to see a, an awesome uh, event taking place as the children of Israel were, of course, protected as they were moving forward. See, this is what I want to ask some of you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. When you think about the Hebrews or the Christian faith movement, is it moving forward? Or is it shooting themselves in the foot? Is it being pulled back? Is it at a standstill? I mean, so we have to ask ourselves personally, even as a community, how are we advancing the Hebrews or the Christian faith movement? How are we getting closer to the goal? And I think by having the Orthodox Jews come and visit us, by us extending a hand to them, I believe that this is a way to move the movement forward. Yeah, maybe maybe Moses is on the mountain and the Hebrew movement is at the foot of the mountain. You know, I, I tell you what, I mean, this is exciting. And, and they even, they're going to have a song about this. So I want Ryan to read oh, yeah. uh, Exodus chapter 15, verses one through seven, because uh, there's a song that's going to be sung by Moses and the children of Israel. So let's, let's listen to Exodus chapter 15, verses one through seven. Remember, whatever you speak comes towards you. That's right. So the public reading of scriptures. All right. Chapter 15, verse one, then sang Moses and the children of Israel, this song unto the Lord and spake saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him a habitation, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host hath he cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank into the bottom as a stone. Thy right hand, O Lord, is become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. And in the greatness of thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sentest forth thy wrath, which consumed them as stubble. 
Wow. God's got our back. Think oh, about yeah. it, you know. That's why we, uh, we need to understand that prophecy is of no private interpretation. So as we begin to share the scriptures at Beit Tehillah and the revelation and the knowledge of God's Word and His Spirit, we need to put it all together, everyone. Think about it. And, and the critics are the critics. Oh, yeah. The haters are going to hate. Isn't that what we say? That's right. So, you know, in, uh, which is really, really powerful here, you know, what did the Lord become to the children of Israel in Exodus 15, 2? He became Yeshua. He became salvation. That's right. It's number 3444 in the Strong's Concordance. He became, right? He became salvation, the right hand of God. Uh, if you look up this word, it's Yeshua. It means something saved, deliverance, aid, victory, prosperity, health, and welfare. So I believe that when we get a mandate from the Lord to move forward, to do the things that we're going to do, He will save us, deliver us, give us aid, give us victory, give us prosperity, health, and welfare. It's all right there in the person, Yeshua. In the person. Remember, we pray to the Father in the Son's name. That's right. It's kind of like a check. The check's not good until you sign the name on the bottom line. You can make it out to whoever you want, but that check is not good until you put in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach of Nazareth. You know, so, so we can see this uh, being played out. And just like we said, you know, be still and see the salvation of the Lord. Uh, this is what it's all about. Salvation belongs to our God. Uh, I'm going to be sharing that message on Saturday. Uh, be still and see the salvation of the Lord. Yeah. You know, uh, it's not about works. It's all about what He has done. And that we reflect upon that, and it takes all the pressure off of us. Uh, in our small group discussion, we have, of course, uh, a question here that we ask the people in the group uh, on Monday. Can you sing a song in regard to your own personal salvation experience? You know, a little ditty, you know, a little song, a little tune, a little chorus, a little verse, a little something, you know? You know, I had, uh, I had your son Josiah in, uh, in my group, and I asked him, you know, if he had a song, and, and oddly enough... Uh, it was actually one of our um, longtime uh, members, uh, Mr. Bill, uh, who was telling me about how he used to just, when he first got saved, and I think all of us can remember when we first got saved, how excited we were. And, you know, he would remember just going out to the woods and the stars would be in the sky and he just loved to get by himself with the Lord and he would sing and dance. Before he ever came to Beit Tehillah, he's singing and dancing to the Lord. That's and, awesome. No, it is. It was great. It was great. And I think that... Um, you know, there's been many occasions in my life where I can remember just being very excited about the Lord and just, you know, singing a praise song that I already knew or right. singing into the Lord or something like that. And, uh, you know, you can never you can never go wrong praising the Lord. In whatever situation you're in, if you just stop and praise God, you can never go wrong. And, you know, it's so true, you know, and so... Um I have uh, something special for, for all of you that are listening, uh, just a little testimony um, through the inspiration of, of a song. I, I really do have a song. It's called uh, Come Now and Let Us Reason Together. I remember being, uh, being alone and everything, getting with God, and just the Holy Spirit was like this unction, uh, and it's found in Isaiah 118. Uh, and these are the words that are, of course, found in Isaiah 118. I'm going to sing it for you now. starts off slow, then it can kind of speed up. But these are the words to the song. And, and this song is a reflection of, and I want to encourage this uh, with all of you. God wants to reason with us. 
You know, he wants to make a deal. He wants to talk to us. He wants to, to bring out certain points. You know, he, he's not here to lambast us to just get his way. He really wants us to reason with him, to see his side, to understand, you know, and that's what a, that's what a parent does to a son or a daughter. You sit down and you kind of go over a conflict or a situation and you weigh it out and you look at it and you say, hey, listen, we can work this out. You know, and that's how we are in my family. So here we are. Come now and let us reason together. So here it goes. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. Isn't that great? Isaiah 118, right out of the word. I love it. You know, God wants to reason with you. Some of you have fallen short. You've messed up. Just ask for forgiveness. He wants to forgive you. And by the way, he's not going to bring it back up. Once you ask for forgiveness, it's done. Okay. There's, there's, love keeps no record of wrongs. Okay. So, so move on. Think about that. Think about the song that you can sing, you know, because here's what's happening. The enemy's hot on our tails, especially if you want to come into the Hebrews of the Christian faith. Uh, he's hot on our tails. I, I, want, I want Ryan to read Exodus 15, 9, because, you know, the enemy has a song, too. It's, it's a rock and roll song with, with the lead guitarist here. Man. Exodus 15, 9. This is what the enemy is saying to you. All right. He says this singing is, to you. He said, the enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My lust shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. You know, Lucifer or Satan had the, the five I wills. I will, I will, I will. Five. And at the end, the Lord says, you're going in the pit. So the enemy, you know, is, is, is coming after us, you know, uh, he has so many ways to invade our lives and bring harm, Ryan. He has so many ways. Uh, and of course, you know, I, I'll give you some references here. Um, we don't battle flesh and blood. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18, we have this armor of God that we need to put on, you know. And by the way, your backside's not protected. You're constantly in a frontal attack. Huh. If you turn and run, see, it says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil. He will flee from you, you Boom. know. So, so the thing is, well, it's you like know, a bully, right? In when Ephesians you... chapter six, verses ten through eighteen, it just lays it out for us right there. And then, of course, in Second Corinthians ten uh, five, you can check this out. Uh, we have to take captive every thought and cast down vain imaginations. Oh yeah. You know, I've been doing pretty good with that. I don't like harbor that stuff. I don't mull that stuff over, you know. And I don't know how it works, uh, how the enemy can give us thoughts or anything. I, I don't understand that, but we know it's true. You know, I've always said that, you know, oppression is from the outside in, depression is from the inside out. Hmm. Uh, but the thing is, you know, he can't read your mind. You know, I'm going to tell you that right now. He only reads your habits. So if you have a bad habit, he'll feed it. He'll give you thoughts. He'll give you unctions, urges to, to be, you know, you'll be tempted in that area. Uh, God doesn't tempt us. Okay. So once again, we're having some very interesting things being played out here in this storyline. Is it relevant for you today? Absolutely. What does the Bible say? Set aside that sin that so easily besets you. That's why we're uncomfortable. That's why the wages of sin is death. We need to understand these things, you know. Sin uh, is missing the mark. It separates us from God. Yeah, he'll never leave us or forsake us, but that's what sin will do. It'll separate us. You know, it'll 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 isolate us. It brings harm. 
you know. And so we have some interesting uh, things to think about. And I was just thinking about actually, uh, if if yeah, I'm gonna have Ryan read Exodus fifteen twenty. Uh, these are one of our uh, rebuttals. This is the thing that we can actually have some arsenal. We can actually counterattack the enemy. I love this in Exodus fifteen twenty. Oh yeah, and uh, you know, speaking of Mr. Bill, Miss Linda. His wife, she has actually made tapestries for my daughters, and uh, this scene is in their room uh, up on their wall. And it says here, And Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrel and dances. And so that's pretty cool. The arts are being restored back to the kingdom of God. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I can't give any more references right now, but I know... You can check out just Jeremiah 31. That whole chapter is incredible, but um, the exact verse. But anyway, uh, the dance is going to be restored. Um, vineyards are going to be planted. Yep. We're going to return. That's right. You know, and if we think about uh, Beit Tehillah's history, uh, Beit Tehillah was, of course, founded on a dance ministry. It didn't start with a Bible study. It started with a dance ministry called Tabernacles of Praise with Pastor Tifa. And so what happened is uh, it evolved and developed into a community and a congregation. And that's why we believe in congregational dancing. You know, uh, if you would ask me, Ryan, you got two choices, Pastor Nick. You could share the word or just go into some worship. Which one would you choose? Mm. What, what do you think I would choose? Uh, worship. I would choose worship every time. Oh, yeah. You know, the praisers go out first. The worshipers go out first. That's right. You know, and, and it's funny you say it, that. It's universal. I mean, music and, and worship, and you, you, you just really praise him. Uh, Daniel Batchelder was in our group, and he was talking because he's a, a big, he's like, what, 17 years old, I think? Oh, yeah. He's, he's a teenager. A, he's a big history buff. He loves history, and especially like military style history. And he was talking about how the Israelites are the first recorded uh, people. In history, to send the, the the musicians out ahead of the battle, and then you know that didn't happen. They that kind of stopped, and then I guess back in the 16, 17, 1800s, you have the fife and drum folks where they have That's the music right. restored into the battle. Yeah, and the praising of the Lord That's and all right. these songs and and all that stuff. I, I tell you, it, it's incredible. So you know, if you really start to put this together, even your own personal life, we go through seasons of, of worship or different things. But you know, that is a spiritual exercise, Ryan. The Word of God. Worship and prayer. Oh yeah, you know, and that's why we're trying to develop this at Beit Tehillah with our families and our lives. Uh, but but look what's going to happen now. All of a sudden, we get into Exodus chapter fifteen, uh, verses twenty-two and twenty-four. The the children of Israel are going to murmur against Moses because of their thirst. So keep in mind, so they're thirsty. Verse they're twenty. Gonna, yeah, they're <laughs> Miriam singing and dancing. And, and now, verse twenty-two. Yeah, here we here are. Come the complainers. You know. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The complaint department. Oy vey. So, so here's the thing, and I, I'm going to make a reference because, for the sake of time, you know, I've been fortunate, like I said, to be in Torah for 20 years and learn a lot. And and the, it's interesting. Uh, the five tests of Israel in the last days can be found in the New Testament, First Corinthians chapter 10, verses six through 11. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to give these to you in order, one through five, right out of the gate to the Corinthian church. This is the letter, and he's saying that these things are going to happen in the last days to Israel as an example, okay? okay? Number one, lust. Number two, idolaters. Number three, fornication. Number four, to be tempted or temptation, to tempt the Lord. Uh, number five is to murmur. So here are the five tests. So we could do really get up to four, and then all of a sudden, you know, I had to put some money into my van, you know, but I said, Lord, thank you that you provide, you take care of it that these tires were kind of shredding away and falling apart. 
And thank you, thank you, Lord. I got new tires, but you know the bank account's at zero. But Lord, thank you because you know <laughs> yeah. everyone's safe. Uh, got an alignment. You know, so you know the glass is 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 half full. It's not half empty. Right. So check out First Corinthians chapter ten verses six through eleven. Uh, you know, I'm just as guilty as anyone at murmuring. I got seven kids. You know. Been married for almost twenty years, so so murmuring it can come real easy being a pastor too. You ever you ever sheep. murmured about other people's murmuring? Yeah, I don't know what that's called. Complaining about complaining? A double murmur. So once again, uh, the five tests of Israel in the last days: lust, idolaters, fornication, tempting the Lord, and murmuring. So let's work on that, folks. Let's pray for that. Let's work on that. And uh, and so once again, um, they were thirsty. And, and I get you know, is it justified? Yeah, they're thirsty, but does that mean you murmur? It, through the reality of the circumstance, I don't think we need to. We got to train ourselves, you know, uh, watch ourselves, uh, cover our mouth. And now all of a sudden they're going to give an accusation against Moses, you know, uh, because they were hungry. And the accusation was hey, Moses brought us out into the wilderness to have us die of hunger. There's no way. He was the deliverer, he was called to bring them out of Egypt, right? We see this. Why would he bring them out to starve them to death? I, it's, I mean, it doesn't make sense, you know? It, 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 it's like what people do to me, Ryan, as a pastor. <laughs> they accuse me of things, and I'm like, this is for your benefit. I'm doing this for you. This is going to make your life better. You're saying you, you can kind of... I can relate. Relate. Like, why is pastor doing this? You resemble that remark? Because it's, it's, for, your, it's for your betterment. It's, 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 for, it's, it's, it's for everyone to be better. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Everything we do at Bay Tehila, we want to achieve you know, greater things. We want to achieve a better way. Well, and I feel sometimes, um, you know, like your kids come and they complain and sometimes you take their complaints. It's like, okay, maybe there's a valid concern there, you know? Absolutely. And so I feel like this first time they come and they murmur and they kind of make a snide remark, which I don't like, right? But I think, you know, in this next, you know, this Can't next section... Can't take it personal. Right, I think in the next section, God grants their request though, doesn't he? They complain. Moses goes to the Lord. And then here it says right here in verse 12, it says, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel. And instead of the next thing being, hey, now I cast my judgment on them. Right. He says, yeah, go into that. You know, speak unto them saying, at even ye shall eat flesh. Oh, this is the 12. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm kidding ahead. This is when they start murmuring again. That's fine. Go for it. Yeah. Okay. Exodus 16, 12. That's, that's right where you're at. I know, but this is, you know, anyway, so they murmur against the Lord, and he gives them manna. Yeah, we don't have to read that. Okay. It's, we, don't, it's self -exp we won't read self -explanatory. that. Self-explanatory. So then they come, and they murmur again, because what God provided for them wasn't good enough, right? right. And so it says, in the murmuring, uh, and he, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel speaking to them, saying at even, ye shall eat flesh, and in the morning ye shall be filled with bread, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God. And so what does he do? He rains down quail. Like, in the evening, the Lord provided quails that covered the camp. Exodus sixteen covered the camp. So covered like, the camp. A lot in, of birds in abundance. Quail. And so I'm just quail's like, good. Have you yeah. had quail? I have had. You know, it's funny. Quail's I was good. I, I was sitting in the circle. I was the only one that had ever had quail. Interesting. And it wasn't Dan Quail. It was. That's right. Uh, it was at Emerald's restaurant in Miami, and Emerald himself, Emerald the chef, served it to me. He brought it to my table. You're serious. I'm 100% so sure. You never had quail until that point. And that's my first experience with quail. And let's just say, I mean, he made it, bam, I think it was good, you know? So you saw him in person? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He cooked it and brought it out. 
I'm impressed. Yeah, no, listen, I had it. And we stumbled on it. We went to Emerald's restaurant. And where was this at? In Miami. But, oh, Miami. But we didn't think that Emerald was there, right? I mean, that's... What a treat. And it's an open kitchen, and you could see all his chefs and stuff back there. And That's awesome. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've never met a famous Needless chef. to say, we were like... Except for my uh, wife. Fighting she's, she's over famous. the bill, you know, at the end, like, except instead of pulling it towards ourselves, we were like, oh, no, you, I insist. No, you, I insist. Okay, you let's know? not get into that. <laughs> so God's saying, listen, children of Israel... I'm going to give you water to drink. I'm going to give you food to eat. You know? Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it's so funny, Ryan. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We look back at the children of Israel, and we're so judgmental and fault-finding. Like, I would never do that, and yeah, this right. and that. But you know what? It's like we have everything, yet we have nothing. And Ryan. we whine stuff. No, we have everything, yet we have nothing. Because why? Because now all of a sudden, God's like, listen, I'm going to throw some things in your life that you can't use on your own. Mm. You're going to have to depend on me. Mm. You might have prosperity. You might have a nice house and two cars. You know, you might have a nice little meal there, but you know what? What I'm asking you to do, you can't produce. You can't even figure it out. You know, and I love that because that's what he's doing. Just like in the Hebrews of the Christian faith movement, these people are so intimidated by the Orthodox Jews when God's bringing them to us. Yeah. He's bringing them to us in a friendship and association to extend a hand, and people don't want nothing to do with it. Oh, yeah. And they, like they've got it all figured out. For sure. Like, like what? Like you just got a special pass to, to, you know, don't go to jail, right? Click $200. <laughs> I mean, wh- what do you think this is? Oh, yeah. We have to do it his way. Well, and I think we have that, to play by his rules. You know, we would love to think that we grew up, but I think looking at our children is a great example. Uh, just the other day, one of my children, uh, uh, you know, wants, wants some strawberries. There's strawberries on the table, but they're not washed and, and all that stuff yet. They're still in the package. But this particular child's favorite food is blueberries. And we had just washed a whole thing of blueberries. It was sitting on the counter ready to go. And let's just say that a fit ensued. Oh. You have these perfectly good blueberries, but no, I want the strawberries. Interesting. And This is relevant. And let's just say this this child ate the, the blueberries and lived. Even after all that, you know? And I was like, you man, know, what a, what a revelation. So, so God gives them quail, right? And then, of course, um, they, they of course are going to gather this this bread in the morning. And this this bread is where we're going to get into the subject of manna. It doesn't record them wanting quail again, or any flesh after this again. Does That's it? a good point. I don't know. They don't. Who knows? <laughs> I don't think they asked. For I it don't again. know. I'd be interested. But, but no. now God's going to provide manna, and manna means what is this? What's what this? is this? What's this? So uh, a few little uh, tidbits on manna here uh, on my outline. Some of my bullet points here. Uh, any manna left until the next morning bred worms and stank. Of course, we're in chapter sixteen now of Exodus. On the sixth day, they gathered double portions for the next day. Wow, what neat instructions, right? Yeah. Uh, there would be no manna on the seventh day to be found. So if you went looking for manna on the seventh day. Uh, you're not going to find it. Uh, the manna tasted like wafers made with honey. I think the word coriander was used. Once again, the manna tasted like wafers made with honey. Mm. Wow. I'm hungry right now. I'll take some manna I with know. Honey. An omer full of manna was put into a pot for future generations. You know, um, and then, of course, the children of Israel ate manna for how many years, Ryan? Uh, 40? 40 years they ate 40 manna. Years. Once they crossed into the land... The manna stopped, and now they can produce their own agricultural palate for their for their meal. So yeah, that's pretty cool, you know. And, and it's interesting to me uh, as you look at the, the the provision of manna. You know, 
God is going to provide. For sure. He's going to provide. And and uh, as you look at the Ark of the Covenant, three things were put into the Ark. Just a little side note here. Uh, the jar full of manna, Aaron's rod, and the Ten Commandments. Uh, so, so think about it, Ryan. In life, as we go through life, uh, we need the manna. We need God to provide. And with that comes the rod, that God would raise up people, yeah. a rod for a person yep. to help to lead those people, because now all of a sudden we are going to look at the Ten Commandments. So I love that. I love how God has, has, has provided for that, and I think it's, uh, it's incredible. Uh, as we begin to, of course, um, look at chapter 17 as we get into that. Uh, so when the children of Israel complained of thirst and Horeb, uh, Moses had to strike the rock in order for water to be provided. In Exodus chapter 17, verses 1 through 6, once again, he had to strike the rock in order for water to come out. We know that this rock is a picture of Yeshua, of Jesus, you know, but he was asked to strike the rock and water would come out of it. That's incredible. Interesting. How do you get water out of a rock? That's God defying nature. Apparently you strike uh, you know, it. You strike it, you know. And so now we have some interesting things going on here as we move into... And this is, of course, a result of the people, you know, fussing and whatnot. You know, chiding with the Lord over the water, right? You know, I think we should read in, in the conclusion of this uh, portion here... Uh, we probably should go ahead and read, because uh, this is where we get the first battle of Israel. Uh, let, let, let's go ahead and read uh, in Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 16. And that'll conclude, of course, the reading part. And we'll topically go over this particular first battle with Amalek. Oh, yeah. So it says, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed, and when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, and one the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nissi. For he said, Because the Lord hath sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Wow. So let's go. So the first battle is with Amalek. He's the grandson of Esau. It's a family squabble. Bam. Family squabble. Why you got to hit me, man? Wow. A grandson of Esau, the Amalekites. You know, Amalek, you know. And so he's a family member, folks. And he's, he's going to battle Israel. This is the first battle. So, so Moses is, is brought to the top of the hill with Aaron and Hur. You know, this is what I love about these, these Torah portions of Ryan. You know, we need each other. Oh, yeah. And even Jesus says, you know, I'm going to send you out two by two. Not the Lone Ranger. Even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. That's right. Okay. 
So if you're a Lone Ranger out there, where's your Tonto? Mm. So so Moses is brought to the top of the hill with Aaron and her to overlook this battle, to get that perspective. And of course, when Moses' hands were held up, Israel prevailed. That's right. Now notice, people had to help Moses keep his hands up. Mm-hmm. When Moses let his hands down, Amalek prevailed. So they took stones to put underneath his arms to keep his hands up. And they were a part of this. It just goes to show you that even those that hold your hands up grow weary. That's right. So that's why, you know, two and three deep in leadership, servant leaders. Um, and of course, what we're going to ha- have here is Joshua uh, is going into battle. And what tribe is Joshua from? Ephraim. Ephraim. He's Ephraim. And who's going to bring him into the promised land? Joshua. Joshua, that's the right. Ephraimite. Mm. Can't escape this thought. But Joshua, the children of Israel, defeat Amalek, you know, and a memorial was written in a book that the Lord will put out the remembrance of Amalek, Exodus 17, 14. So a memorial was written in a book that the Lord will put out the remembrance of Amalek. You know, I was listening to the Land of Israel Network podcasts. For those of you that want to listen to something while you're in the car and get a Jewish Orthodox perspective, uh, even those that are contained within this Land of Israel Network podcast, um, they believe that Christians and Jews can work together. Uh, so uh, this particular rabbi was talking about, you know, what is an Amalek? He was saying that an Amalek is like somebody who tries to put out your fire. Like you're passionate, you're on fire. And Amalek is like a big bucket of cold water. And this ain't the cold water challenge, the bucket challenge. Yeah, no. And they want to dump it on you to put you out. Do you have those kind of people in your life, Ryan? Oh, for have sure. Have you seen those people? Oh, for sure. They just want to they just want to squash your enthusiasm. They want to squash your vision, your revelation, and they just want to throw cold water on you. You know, it's easy for us to point out the people in our lives that do it to us. I think what's not so easy is for us to recognize when we do it to others. You know, to encourage one another is so important, is. Ryan. And I tell you, as you begin to break up these these events and these stories, Ryan, you can you can actually you can personalize it, you know? Uh, and so he builds this altar. What does an altar do? It shows ownership. God has ownership over the earth. So you build this altar to prove that God is what? The founder. He's the creator. He's the owner. He's the owner. Right. And what does the enemy want to do, Ryan, in the land of Israel? Let's put up a whole bunch of altars. Yeah, I saw this hat the See? other day. It, says, uh, it was like a, a MAGA hat, like a Make America Great Again hat. But instead of Make America Great Again, it said Make Israel Palestine Again. And I just was like, morons. Well, I mean, listen, all I'm saying is that <laughs> I mean, there's, like there's we're a reading, lot going you know? on. There's a lot going on. You yeah. know, it's not about being biased, but what is the perfect will of God? So he builds this altar, and he names the altar Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, my banner. You know, and we could get into that uh, in regards to banners, to processionals, to marching in with these incredible names of tribes and tribal banners and, and everything, but the Lord, my banner, you know, so who gives us the victory, you know? So when we carry something, it really says something. You know, I had the opportunity to carry the two stick banner that had Hebrew and English uh, in the parade for the, uh, when the uh, Christian embassy in Jerusalem, the ICEJ, the international Christian embassy in Jerusalem had this, Jerusalem march for, for Sukkot, for tabernacles. And we would go out and give candy and, and be in this march as Christians. 
It's the most powerful thing I think I've ever witnessed as far as being in Israel in the public sector of life, at, at marching down the streets of Jerusalem. And we have this banner where the two sticks are going to become one. It's got Hebrew and English. And as this banner is going forward, and, and Ryan, that was 12 people on that trip. You can't make this stuff up. <laughs> 12 people on the trip. One for each Carrying trip. the banner. And, and, and the Orthodox Jews were up above the bridge, and they're, they're looking down, reading the, the, the Hebrew, and they're saying, Ephraim, Ephraim. They're clapping their hands, they're smiling, they're dancing, and they're waving. And that was our banner. And that was incredible. That you is know? incredible. And, um, and of course, in conclusion here, in Exodus chapter 17, 16, it says, For he said, Because the Lord hath sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek, from generation to generation. So we got to find out who Amalek is because we got to fight him every bit of the way. Maybe it's those that have the, the Amalek spirit to try to thwart us from being Ephraim or, or the house of Joseph, the non-Jews coming back. You know, maybe that's, that's Amalek too, you know. Uh, descendant of Esau who kind of sold his birthright, didn't oh, yeah. care, irresponsible, flippantly just saying things and doing things giving no consideration to their own personal inheritance and, of course, to their own demise. So uh, in conclusion here, uh, every Monday night we have two representatives come up and we say, what two lessons can be learned from the Torah portion Beishalak when he sent, uh, found in Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 through chapter 17, verse 16, from a consensus of the group. This word consensus might be a little big word for some of you. Consensus simply means an agreement. Kind of like discomfited. So what was the consensus of your group, Ryan? Uh, the two things or two lessons that could be learned from Beishalak when he sent. So the first thing was a reference to a song by Michael W. Smith called This Is How I Fight My Battles. And and the, the gist of the song is basically with songs and with praise is how I fight my battles. And to just remember that, do we even really fight our own battles? I mean, we have to be obedient to the Lord, but at the end of the day, it's the Lord who fights our battles. He goes before us. The battle us. belongs to the Lord. That's right. That's in the Psalms, I believe. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so just the singing and the praising of the Lord uh, doesn't just come after you've won the battle. If you can do that beforehand when there's not a battle, and you can, I mean, you can never go wrong praising the Lord. So that's... I mean, there is, but my, my point being like, you know, we, we want to do it when we've won, but the answer is to do it beforehand and during. Amen. And then the, imagine how big the song is on, I the, love it. on the other this side. It's true. It. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it. They are saved. That's right. They are saved. And the second thing was, you know, for us, what are we called to? We're called to faithfulness. God is so faithful. You know, the pillar of the cloud and, and the pillar of fire, when it moves... We need to move. We need to just stay plugged into the Lord, be in the Word, and follow Him. Because when we do those things, guess what? He's got our back. He puts darkness before the Egyptians, so the Egyptians can't even see the Israelites. And so He protects them while He's getting ready to do a miracle and show them He's God. And sometimes when that stuff's going on behind us, we don't even know it. And so what we do is we forget about our end of the bargain, which is faithfulness. And so God is faithful, and we need to remember that because that should drive us to faithfulness as well. So the first one is, this is how I fight my battles with with songs and praises. That's right. That's good. That's good. Yeah. That is real good. It is. And number two, remember God's faithfulness. Yes. That He is faithful. Yes. 
Amen. That's Amen. awesome. It is. Got to hang in there, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening. Wow. A lot of stuff in these tour portions, man, especially, you know, when we start talking about the exodus from Egypt. Um, you know, these these last few tour portions have, have just been packed with stuff. And, uh, you know, new characters coming into the realm here. We've got Amalek here. We've got Joshua starting to step up and, and be mentioned a little more and play a bigger role. Um, you know, Moses and Aaron, Miriam, uh, and obviously the Israelites and the murmuring and the complaining. So, you know, just take it all in, you know, ask the Lord, what do you want me to do? You know, receive from the Torah portions, because I'll tell you what, the Torah is relevant for today. And, it, and you know, just in, what was it, this last week when we were reading Bo Come? Yes. We're reading Bo Come, and there is a plague of locusts that hits Mecca. And it's like, okay, I'm reading chapter 10 last week, and I'm looking at the news, and guess what? There's a plague of locusts. I'm reading in the Bible and the Torah about plagues of locusts, and boom, there's a plague of locusts. I encourage you to go online, Google it. You'll see it. It's on social media. There's tons and tons of videos and stuff that you can see, and they're trying to get the place cleaned up, and they're just piling these locusts and crickets and cockroaches into these just giant piles as they're killing them and stuff. Locusts, crickets, and cockroaches. Oh, yeah. No, it's a plague for sure. Three is divine of the Lord. Oh, yeah. There's, there's three insects. Well, and, and you know, I made the point this past Saturday in Shabbat that, you know, some of us read the Torah, and we read the Scriptures, and we see that the Torah is relevant for today, and we take it by faith. And some of us need a sign, and even those that have already taken it by faith, we, you know, we don't really mind a sign every once in a while either. And I would just say that God is on His throne, the Torah is relevant for today, stay the course, dig into the Scriptures, get into prayer, talk to the Lord, worship the Lord, and everything is going to work out. It just is what it is. And so thank you guys for listening. We love you. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, you know how to get us. You can call the office, 813-654-2222. You can live stream our services, which by the way, we're live streaming the message only for this season. Uh, and so you can usually tune in around one o'clock and catch the message on Saturdays at twopraise.net and all of our social media platforms. And uh, you can also email me directly at ryan at twopraise.net. God bless you guys. Have a great week.